Our scripture lesson for this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 and 22. And this can be found on page 19 in the Pew Bibles. Listen for God's word. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O holy God, your faithfulness is amazing. And for this, we give you thanks this morning. As we open your holy word, as we gather here as the body of Christ, Speak to us, and may we have ears that are open to listen, and may our spirit meet your spirit here this morning. For it is in Christ's name that we pray, amen. So in my 25 years of ministry, I have learned many things. And one is that responding to a call to serve in the church is truly a calling. There are a lot of challenges. It's not all kumbaya. And so one must really feel that tug from God to serve. Ministry at its core is relational. Therefore, ministry is mostly about dealing with people, a lot of people. And as you might know, people are flawed, people are wounded, people make mistakes, and I'm definitely including myself as one of those people. But my point is that dealing with people is messy. It's easy to have feelings hurt or to feel unappreciated. Maybe you've experienced this too in areas of your life where you deal with a lot of people or maybe where you deal with one person. Relationships can be messy. You may also have experienced a common result of feeling hurt or unappreciated, which is to hold a grudge or feel resentment. In my 25 years of ministry, I have held some grudges. I hate to admit it, but it's true. There have been times that I've been disappointed or frustrated with the decision made. And as much as I would like to think differently, there have been people disappointed and frustrated with me. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) But only once in my career, another first at that time, have I had a colleague tell me my resentment is leaking. Ouch, this hurt. This comment didn't come out of the blue. It was couched in a 
conversation, a long conversation, and this colleague was being a gracious and good listener, hearing me talk about my frustration and my disappointment with a particular person and a situation. And my colleague agreed with me that it was difficult what I was experiencing and even went so far as to say it made sense that I was upset and that I had a right to be angry. Yes. But, they continued, I hate it when the but shows up in a sentence, but, they said, it was time to let go, to move on. My resentment was leaking, meaning my disappointment, my grudge was not contained. It was leaking. It was showing up in my job. It was made obvious to others. You could see it on my face. It was interfering with my ministry. It was hurting me, even impacting my physical health. No matter who was right or who was wrong, regardless of how fair it was to me, the grudge I was carrying was having an effect on others and, of course, on me. It was hard to hear this, and it was one of the most important messages that has been shared with me, and I appreciate it to this day. In that moment... I began to practice some new ways of dealing with resentment. I had to realize that things weren't always going to go my way, and that was life. There are times when I need to let things go. Now, I learned this only with God's help, with a lot of prayer, more talking through this with my colleague I gradually was able to practice letting it go. And in doing this, I began to consider what my part was in the situation that was leading to this resentment. Because I discovered it's rarely a one-way street. God graciously revealed to me my part and what I needed to do about this. So since that time, I have been pretty quick, tried at least, to be pretty quick about checking my resentment when it creeps up. It's like I have a sense of this liquid in me. And when it creeps up, I check it because I don't want it to leak. Maybe you can relate. Are there things that you hold on to? Grudges that you have? Why? Are you convinced, like me, that your way is the right way? How is this working in your favor? How is this helpful for you? And how is this working against you? How is it harmful? I think these are important questions to examine. When we look at the scripture and see what it says, what does Jesus say about holding grudges? about resentment, because it's a part of life. When we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus sure did have plenty of reason to be frustrated and disappointed with people and situations. So how did he handle this? There was some acceptance, 
sure, some turned the other cheek. But Jesus also took action. He addressed injustices on the spot, didn't he? We think of the cleansing of the temple when he expelled the merchants and money changers, throwing over tables for turning a house of prayer into a place of profit. And of course, he didn't hesitate to publicly call out the Pharisees for being hypocrites. But mostly when dealing with petty people and frustrating situations, Jesus responds with love and forgiveness. Jesus doesn't insist on his own way. He leads by example and acts out of love. And look at the example we have in the Old Testament with Joseph in the text from Genesis. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. They tricked him. And then when Joseph sees them years later, what does he do? He doesn't make them feel awful. He doesn't curse them or imprison them with the potential power he now has. No, he says, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph recognized the blessings that came from this deception and how God was calling him. And then Joseph reconciles with his brothers, embraces them, weeps with them. He forgives in an active way, which is pretty radical. And finally, in our gospel reading, Jesus is asked about the limits of forgiveness. How often do we have to forgive before throwing in the towel? Maybe seven times. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but rather 77 times. Or in older translations, it says 70 times seven times, which would be 490 times. Jesus' point here was not to establish an actual numerical threshold for how often we are to forgive. He's basically saying that it should be limitless. As God's forgiveness for us is limitless. I also hear in this text, it should be daily. Don't let a resentment build up to where it leaks. Let it go. Now this can be difficult for us as mere mortals. There's, and by the way, there's a whole lot to be said about forgiveness. There are series of sermons to be preached on forgiveness, and I'm sure you've heard some. And today I am not going all the way there. A couple of years ago, I preached on forgiveness, and I shared about a situation in my personal life where I wanted to be able to forgive someone like this, and I was having a really difficult time. I don't expect you to remember my sermon from a couple of years ago, but I do, because I stand here today, years later, and have to admit that I still haven't fully forgiven that person. I don't ever see them, so I guess on some level I have determined I don't have to. 
But what I am continuing to learn is I don't forgive to help someone else. I forgive to help myself and to help clear my relationship with God. So God is still working on me in this relationship and in this department. What I'm learning is that when I don't forgive, my spirit is not free. There's a barrier. This barrier interferes with my relationship with God and with others. But today we are considering the daily resentments, the grudges that we carry, the times that we allow trying to get our way interfere with relationships, maybe even interfering to the point of building resentment, which causes pain. So I'll wrap it up with this. Since my leaking resentment experience, I have learned that I need to keep an eye on my expectations. That's another hard word. When I expect you to act a certain way and you don't act that way, I think I have two choices. I can try and force my way upon you and then resent you when you don't do it. Or I can get clear on my expectation and let it go. And in doing this, if there is something I need, I can stop expecting you to do it and do it myself. Then I bypass the resentment altogether. This is a daily task, a prayerful task, and some days we will get it more succinctly than others. One way I practice this is when I begin to have an expectation. Let's say I have an expectation that my children will pick up their dishes and not just leave them around the living room after they've had a snack before the new puppy eats them. Let's just say that might be an expectation. And when I expect something and it doesn't happen, I can react and resent, but this isn't pretty. What I try to do, and only with God's help and constantly, is to practice replacing my expectation with appreciation or gratitude. What is it that I appreciate about my amazing kids? And we do have rules, and I'm not letting them get off, so don't worry about that. But, but <laughs> in those moments, what, you know, what's, what's going to be the best reaction here for myself and for everybody else? And when I can catch myself and check my resentment and ask, what is it that I am grateful for? What do I appreciate? It does a little flip, a little switch in my mind. And I can do this not only in my home. I do it in my work. I do it when I'm driving on the highway. I can do it with my new puppy because that's necessary. Um, And a lot of places where I can flip that switch with God's help and say, what are my choices here? Ultimately, it is the work that we are to do as Christians. 
Think about it. How does Jesus call us to live together? Is there anywhere in scripture that we hear Jesus say, have high expectations of others? No. Or does he say, when people let you down, resent them with the hopes that they might change? But footnote, they won't change because of you. No. What does Jesus say? I read this scripture at every wedding I officiate. I use it as a charge in the end of the service. And I think it's a good guide for relationships. It's from Colossians chapter 3. And it says, As God's own, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and patience, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, and crown all these things with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Friends, God created us to be in relationship with one another. And we got to acknowledge that it can really be messy. But it can also be beautiful. With God's help, relationships can be centered in gratitude and appreciation rather than expectations and resentment. With our daily practice of asking God to guide us, we can do this. And when we do this, we are really embracing the amazing grace, forgiveness, and love that God so freely offers us. And we are living into the full creation that God hopes for us. Let us pray. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.